In this upcoming episode of Double DM, we are joined by Klaus, also known as the Dungeon Noobs Guide, on YouTube to talk about branching out and leaving your comfort zone for TTRPGs. We talk about why you should try and find new systems to play and learn from, how you quickly can learn systems and how learning and trying new systems has helped us and will help you grow as game masters and generally people. Enjoy this episode 60 of Double DM. And with that, welcome people to the part of the episode that probably some people skip the recap after intro. Niels, how are you doing? I am doing exceptionally well. The weather is great, temperatures are rising, mood is going up. What is there more to wish for? Oh, the weather is so great, really, right? Mm -hmm. I was at the barber on Tuesday and... That was, it was such a sunny day. It got myself some ice cream because hell yeah, we get ice cream again. It was great just being outside and not having to wear a free fucking jacket. Oh yeah. Just being outside was great. Yeah, I used the time and the weather yesterday as well. Went to a bar or a pub with a couple of friends, had some beers. Just sat around until I think 11, mm -hmm. something like this. But it was warm enough so we don't have to wear any sort of thick jacket just a long sleeve was enough because it was just that warm outside it's a really great weather right now it, it's yeah. interesting so now let's talk about hobbies you only do insights hell yeah let's talk about staying inside and doing nothing but sitting around the table Niels, did you have any sessions this week yes i had curse of strat a curse mm. of strat campaign two sessions actually back to back basically mm -hmm. one on tuesday and one on wednesday both still we didn't even have one single combat and i think four sessions of curse of strat yet so mm -hmm. a lot of mm -hmm. role play but I like it. The group dynamic is really great because we have enough points where our characters don't agree on to make roleplay interesting, but enough points to agree on that we don't grind to a halt completely. Mm -hmm. So we know what we have to do and can focus on that. But after that, we can discuss things that maybe went wrong in both directions. Mm -hmm. And yeah, in the last couple of sessions, the plot really did kick off, I would say. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of plot hooks to work with and yeah we don't know which one to pick first so we just roll the dice and see where the stuff takes us i'm obviously getting only tits and tats of that especially from your gm or dm out of that because i help them um feedback some stuff i i, I give them some info and and they use me as a sounding board for most of the stuff you guys experience however i don't know which plot hooks you have right now so please walk me through especially your character what they think of the current situation you're in especially in the spirits of right what would my character do um mm -hmm. not the it's what my character would do but the question asking yourself okay my character is this what would they do for this so where are you right now and how does your character feel about the current situation and what would they want to do first maybe so we are in valaki the I think biggest town in the Barovian Valley. Yeah, it's the biggest. Yeah, and first of all, I want to. We went to the church and mm -hmm. found out that the ground isn't sacred anymore, so Strad can move in. So 
fuck that shit, we need to make the ground sacred again somehow to protect the NPC we are currently escorting. Mm -hmm. That is the first thing in Gabar's head, because... He made a promise to protect this NPC and tries to do so. Mm -hmm. On the way there, we heard about missing children from an orphanage who got kidnapped or whatever. That would be the second thing on his to-do list. Mm -hmm. It may correlate, but it's not sure that it does. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So first of all, protect the NPC. Second of all, save the children. Mm -hmm. And then find out what the fuck is going on with this crazy mayor in this town. Because mm -hmm. holding a festival every week and people getting punished for it when they don't attend seems kind of sus to him. You know, that's probably fair. <laughs> <laughs> to be a little bit sus of, wait, you're punishing people for not attending the festivals you hold every week? Why do you even hold the festivals in the first place? Yeah, and one thing, with this whole situation in Velaki, they are all super friendly. That's a good thing in general, but in the whole situation Barovia is in, people always smiling, being happy as shit and overly friendly, in contrast to the city of Barovia or the town of Barovia, is pretty disturbing. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. totally thinks something is wrong here but yeah and now to our audience we kind of i kind of know what's going on and what is happening but i won't tell obviously because niels is here but i can tell you all that your gm niels has done a magnificent genius job of everything barovia everything curse of strat especially oh, yeah. with their plans they have for the far future for you guys hmm. from, from what i've gathered from everything we played through is just insanely detailed and written out oh yeah i've seen the notes fucking hell yeah i can only imagine and on the way to valaki we went through a small camp of traveling folk mm -hmm. and got some prophecies we Yay! might fulfill or not wait some... how, how did you get those prophecies uh, we were sent to barovia through some sort of taroka cards mm -hmm. and these taroka cards are only used by divination people from this traveling folk mm -hmm. so we found a campsite of those and these and talked to the divination person and without talking to her ever before she knew all of our names where we came from the common trick obviously obviously but yeah and then we discussed some things why we are here but she wouldn't tell because divination people are kind of shady sometimes and then we got a group prophecy of four taroka card drawings and then regarding to the taroka card the sent that sent us to barovia each with a personal prophecy mm -hmm. so yeah these are pretty much at the bottom of the list for G uh, gabar at the moment because there are more pressing matters right now but there's the, these are all still in the back of his head always kind of there and poking out mm -hmm. but maybe how can we connect those with the things we had already and okay in the last two sessions we had this week my note page i think quintupled in size because i take notes on a shitload of stuff it's always good to take more notes than less notes because exactly. you can always disregard more notes but you can't add more notes later however people if you haven't listened to our note taking episode note taking isn't necessary to play at a table or the game never is never Definitely should be if, if you as a UNGM and make that a necessity to play at your table your players make notes why no yeah. don't just remember if you take notes 
take them smart and in the manner that you can understand them. Writing down names is completely useless, for example. Yeah. But Neil's taking a lot of notes is something I love to hear. And I know your GM will love to hear because yeah. I think that was one of their concerns actually with you guys if mm. you guys would understand the details yeah but but, but i'm trying to at least mm -hmm. and yeah and i like the theory crafting from everything we have from a puzzle but which will not lead to the complete puzzle yet but still trying to see the bigger picture already is a lot of fun at least for me personally maybe mm -hmm. not for gaba but for me as a, as a player so with that i think we can move to our episode meet our guest klaus and talk about generally branching out and how it works. After a short intermission, people, see you then. Hear you then. Bye-bye. If you like what you are hearing, then why not give us a follow on the platform you are listening to us right now? And why not also give us a 5-star rating and review on Spotify, iTunes or any other platform you choose to listen to us? If you wish to book ad slots that play instead of this pre-recorded audio in the episode, contact us on Twitter about our current available advertisement plans and prices. And with that, back to the episode. And with that, welcome back to the episode. Now we have our guest with us, the Dungeon Noobs Guide, also known as Klaus. We went on his show for a actual play and learn about the system of masks. So would you like to introduce yourselves to our audience? Absolutely. So yep, as I said, I am Klaus von Hohenlohe. I go by the Dungeon Noobs Guide on YouTube, where I focus on teaching people all kinds of different TTRPGs, teaching them about different virtual tabletops and tools that can help people basically help with accessibility and help people get into games that they might be interested in and, you know, play remotely because that's been kind of important the last two years. So yeah, and I also stream dumb stuff sometimes, but that's, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Klaus, since we're a TTRPG podcast, you're a TTRPG YouTuber personality and all of that. How did you get into this hobby? How did it start for you? <laughs> so it started for me back when I was somewhere between 13 and 15, which would have been about 25 years ago now. I had a couple friends. We were getting really into a like generic knockoff of Magic the Gathering. <laughs> and as we got into more and more nerd stuff, we got some friends who gave us the second edition books for Dungeons and Dragons. And we were like, the three of us were like, we got to play this. We got we got to try Dungeons and Dragons. It'll be like the cartoon show and everything. And it was decided that I would be the dungeon master because out of the three of us, I was insisting that my character should get to be a unicorn. And since we couldn't figure out how to do that with the rules, it was decided that the only way I could be a unicorn if it was a non-player character and so I could be the DM. <laughs> I ran a little bit of second edition. It wasn't the easiest, but it was a couple years later when I was 17, 18, that third edition really became a thing and I got into that and I have been DMing and playing constantly ever since. Nice. I hate to do this to you, but you said 25 years ago, right? Yes. Nils, how old are you again? 24. I'm 22. 
I've been in the hobby since before you were born. As you're looking at me now on the screen, you can see me withering away, gray hairs falling out as I, as I just decay before your eyes. Ah, you look uh, magnificent. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that is how I got my start. And But from very early on, like that was back in the time when D&D was really big, I was the first person in my group of friends who, after playing D&D for a couple of weeks, I went, this is great. What else is there? And I started tracking down, I remember D20 Modern, World of Darkness, any little thing that I could find because I am a person who is never satisfied and always wants more. <laughs> so <laughs> my desire to learn and find new games is almost as old as my time in the hobby. Interesting. In that time, especially in the beginning, what other systems, you said World of Darkness, you said D20 system. Did you ever settle on one for an extended period of time or were, were you jumping around all over the place and always finding new bits or was there ever a time where you really settled down on something? I settled down for long enough to run like a campaign or something in the system, but I typically like to kind of move around between that. Like I ran a campaign for about a year that was using D20 Future, which I think came out in 2007 or so. But that was basically using mostly just the D&D 3.5 rules. But it had future stuff in it. But like after that, I got big into what at the time was called New World of Darkness and is now Chronicles of Darkness. And I ran a couple different games in that because I was able to run, you know, like, oh, let's run a game of Vampire. And ooh, now I got the Werewolf book. Well, let's run a game of Werewolf. Ooh, I got a Changeling book. So let's run a little short campaign of that. And so that one I stuck around kind of within the World of Darkness system for a good while. But I mean, after that, it was bouncing between just a ton of different systems. I did a Mouse Guard TTRPG, jumped over to Castle Falkenstein, which is a playing card based uh, TTRPG, just everything. So I, the one that I've probably settled on the longest was either Dungeons and Dragons 3.5 or 5th edition, because that's the one that everyone knows. So as much as I want to play different games, more people are comfortable with D&D. &D, and so that tends to be the one that's defaulted to most of mm -hmm. the time. Yeah, obviously, uh, most of my groups just play D&D &D because it's the easiest to connect to. It's the easiest to get access to online. No, but I think most people start to gravitate towards D&D &D 5e, especially in the nowadays time because it's just a easily accessible system right now because most of the stuff you can there is for this system is pretty widely known or at least gettable for most people oh absolutely i think the popularity of dnd &D and the fact that it has such a long legacy definitely helps it but the accessibility of 5e is i think an enormous part of why it's become so popular and prevalent because especially like dnd &D beyond the simple guided character creation process and just the fact that it's easiest to get into a game that the most people know because like it's like oh i really want to get into ttrpgs the chance of one of your friends who plays ttrpgs going yes i know dungeons and dragons the one that you've heard about let me teach it to you you know it's it's easy to get into something that everyone else is already into which isn't a bad thing i think it's 
great how accessible 5e is. You know, it's really not just helped, you know, Wizards of the Coast and D&D flourish, but I think it's helped the hobby as a whole kind of flourish because a lot of people like myself, I got into D&D at first and that is what kickstarted my passion for finding other systems and stuff because I was like, this was so great, but I wish I could find something that's more along my lines. So I, I love that D&D is so accessible and so popular. Yeah, it kind of acts like a gateway towards other possibilities because once you get into TTRPGs, most of the people I know who start TTRPGs are hooked and they want to play it further. Once you hone your skills in role-playing in general, whatever system it may be, it just sparks the intent to start to look out for different things or different settings or whatever you want to do with it. Absolutely. And D&D &D also, it's one of the things I really appreciate about D&D &D is that it falls in this perfect kind of middle ground of rule sets and everything that you can kind of experience all kinds of stuff throughout, you know, what you'll find in different TTRPGs. And it's kind of a litmus test for like, what parts of this did you really like? And you can take that information and find TTRPGs that are maybe more focused on those parts. Like if you play D&D, and you're like, I love the, you know, like the combat experience. I love, you know, like, oh, the tiled based movement, you know, the five foot this and that, you know, I love how written out the spells are and like customizing my character. I wish there was more of that. And then you can very easily go, yeah, there is more of that. It's called Pathfinder and you can get a ton of it in that. Or And there are plenty of other games that have more of that crunch. But if you go, I don't really like all the combat in D&D. It's a little too slow for me, but I love, you know, the, the magic and... And, you know, the abilities and stuff like that. And people can go, okay, well, since you don't want that much combat, but you still like these catered special abilities, maybe try Cypher or maybe a friend of yours runs a more constructed fate game or something like D&D &D falls so in the middle ground between like crunchy, but still kind of open and free enough that you can get a good feel for a lot of what you may or may not like in TTRPGs and use that as a stepping off point. Or as many people do, you might play d and go, this is the one that I like and this is the one I want to stick with and that's great too. For example, for me, I started with the Dark Eye 5th Edition Beta. Basically, it's the German D&D equivalent. It's a big fantasy role-playing game, but it's more crunchy than D&D, yet on the low fantasy magic side of D&D. So it, it kind of goes a little more in, in, into the direction of Pathfinder, but also goes into a little bit more of the direction of less fantasy, less um, more normal medieval role-playing. And I played that for five years exclusively. Never heard of any different TTRPGs because I thought it was the only thing that existed because I thought it was such a niche hobby that it's only developed by a few Germans who love math so much that they invent a <laughs> game system for it. <laughs> And I loved it, but I never knew that there were other games out there. We might have heard of D&D &D before, but no one of us ever paid attention to it at all. It never was, okay, so D&D &D is the same as the Dark Eye, or at least in some extent. And then my eyes were opened to all of these different TTRPGs that are out there. First of all, by different German systems, like Contact, which is a sci-fi man in black roleplay. Terrible rules. <laughs> it has <laughs> it has, it has disgustingly bad rules. And I, should, I shouldn't say that, because I played that system for seven years. And when in combat, you have to, it's a sci-fi game, right? So they had range modifiers, they had wind speed, you had to do your cover, enemy cover, to even shoot a bullet. Which calculations does your intelligent gun do for you? Air, humidity, or whatever. <laughs> 
I want a humidity RPG right now. You had like six or seven modifiers to every single combat role. And then it was like, oh, and also the actual combat robot next to you can shoot five anti-tank rockets before you even are allowed to move as the medic. Why do I exist? You just <laughs> let every tank explode. I can't. It had its flaws, but it really showed me that there were more uh, was more out there, and that I actually it showed me one thing as well. I can make a fun game with every sys base system in it, as long as I'm with my friends. Doesn't matter which game I'm playing, I can have fun with them because it's fun to sit around the table with my friends. Absolutely, I've had a wonderful time with D and D Fourth Edition, so that's proof. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really like Fourth Edition, but I I know why it's. I never played it, and only hear so many people talk about it and always saying there was this and this and this and i'm like okay those don't sound bad at all at first what's the problem <laughs> um, I, i'm sure there were some problems but i never really had someone explain to me in extent what actually the problem was for them i mean this is the thing for every system basically there's always some problems in every system because no system is perfect but it can be perfect for you when you have fun playing it. So every problem can be overruled by the fun you have with your players and at the table. Yeah, that is also the perfect, perfect reason why I think with the topic of today being branching out of your comfort zone of maybe just D&D or whatever system you started with and still play, it's the system isn't perfect. No system can be. No one designs the system to be the perfect system. They just make certain design choices that might be suboptimal for you or might not work well or whatever. And that is the reason why you can branch out to other systems to see how they handle stuff differently, how stuff works there, how generally maybe similar things at first are completely approached differently. Being combat or, for example, magic can be approached in a lot of different ways. And seeing how others approach it might make you more, I don't know, aware of there being, well, options for everything if you ever want to do stuff. Absolutely. I think, you know, because... A lot of people, you know, they get you can even be playing a game and not realize that you have problems with it until you start to branch out and see how other systems are handling certain things. And you suddenly go, I had never thought about handling that particular mechanic that way. I love that. So like one of my biggest problems in like, you know, D&D &D or whatever you know, is the way that most of us have always handled things like, you know, oh, I want to search this room. And so it's like, all right, roll an investigation check. And we're just like, they are just generally searching and we're rolling an investigation check. And if you hit the right number, the DM will tell you all the pertinent information. Uh, it is how I've seen so many DMs present it to me. It's how I've done it. For many, many years. And then you jump into like, you know, some of the Power by the Apocalypse games where you have their version of like, all right, uh, you're rolling for whatever their move is for investigating in that game. It changes depending on which one you're playing. But as you do that, it's like, all right, if you get a mixed success, you get to ask one of these like six questions. And if you get a, you know, full success, you can ask two or three or whatever, stuff like that. And then it's like, you know, they have these specific questions like you know oh what in this room is more you most useful or what's the easiest way out of the situation or what's powerful stuff like that but there are these specific questions that suddenly 
give all that power to the player to decide how are they searching? Like, what are they focusing on? And they will know for a fact that when they get to ask that question, they are being given the true correct answer. And so I feel like it just gives that much more agency. And that's something that you can 100%, you know, it's like you might see Power by the Apocalypse and how it handles those things and go, wow, that's the system for me. I love how that works and how simplified dice rolling is. That's great. But even if you're branching out and you see this and you go, I don't like most of the stuff in this game, but I really like that. You can easily just incorporate that into D&D and say, all right, if they get an investigation check of 10, they get one question, 15, they get two questions, 20, they get three, whatever. But there are ways that you can incorporate this other stuff into the game you already like. And so there's there's no downside to branching out and looking at different systems aside from wasted time because it can take a while to learn a new system unfortunately hence why i personally try to do videos that teach these systems in as quick a manner as possible but and they do yeah. that perfectly just saying that because <laughs> i send your fate videos to my players who are playing fate with me at some point if we schedule that said they now all understand the basics when we were creating characters or what uh, all they they didn't have haven't read the rules before so i sent them your videos and said this is a good explanation and they loved them <laughs> well thank you yeah i'm i'm glad and i mean the other thing that makes branching out difficult for i think a lot of people is sometimes just the basic terminology and how things work changes so drastically that it is difficult to wrap your head around so like when you're big into DD, &D, you know that i have to roll to attack and then if the attack succeeds i then get to roll my damage if you're reading through the book for like sentinel rpg all right i'm gonna attack this enemy so i i roll these three dice and i take the middle dice as my result well what does that mean well that's how much damage you do well wait so how do i determine if i hit him or not well, you do. You did that much damage. And it's like, well, and when you're just reading text of this and you don't have someone explaining it, it's really hard to wrap your head around. I've met so many, I've met a good number of people who tried to read the fate book and came away going, I don't understand this system. I read the whole book. I don't get how this works. And then when I sit down and explain it to them and they're like, well, wait, but how does that work in term of D&D? &D? And I'm like, it, don't just please, you need to forget it's that different. And and so it is really daunting and hard for some people to get into different TTRPGs, especially when your familiarity is in just one very specific place. Because some systems are going to go so far the other direction that it just doesn't make sense. Also, no shade to TTRPG developers, but a lot of them need to learn how to better organize their books so they're a little easier to read. <laughs> because there are some, one of my favorite systems is Cortex Prime. I love Cortex Prime. It's so modular. You can do everything with it. The book is written like a reference document that you would find in some, like, medical journal or something where things are laid out in a way to where you can like look them up easily but if you just try and start from the beginning and read through the book nothing makes sense they're you know referencing like you know oh and you're gonna do that and take your effect die and it's like all right what's an effect die and they'll keep referencing effect die and not describing it for like 30 more pages and by the time they explain to you what an effect die is you're like i know i've seen the term before now i have to try and from memory reconnect it to everything else and 
So it's very tricky sometimes to get into some of these different TTRPGs. So <laughs> I, I get why people don't always enjoy doing that. Yeah, I think one thing we need to say if this episode is about basically would be called you should branch out. You don't have to necessarily, right? Like, for example, I have players that have two jobs, university and other hobbies every week. They come over for one session a month of D&D to me. I totally get that those people don't want me to say, okay, let's change up into a completely new system and play this system because then they need to probably spend a few hours for the first few times to actually understand what's going on. Even if it's a very simple system, it's still kind of a break in their routine. It's still, they have a very busy schedule and actually they don't have the time and they kind of still find the time to play with us, even though they actually don't. So I obviously just go with the system they want to play then because it makes it easier for everyone involved. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, even simpler systems like Fate, to be able to like read through that and figure it all out and try and lay it out and get a good understanding, that's asking a person to maybe dedicate, you know, four or five hours of their life to trying to understand a system they might not even get to play or might not even enjoy. Like, that's a big gamble. Um, Like, Cortex Prime, to understand that system to the level I do, I probably have about 20 hours spent, like, I read the book, I read through it again, taking notes, I had discussions with friends to try and figure out what certain things meant, I went back and corrected notes because I had stuff wrong, like, that was a lot, and for a person who might, you know, they're not even sure if they're gonna like this, you know, it's like, I don't know if I'm gonna get to play this or not, if I'm going to enjoy it, you know, that's, that's asking a lot. Especially if you don't have a lot of free time, if you're busy working, doing school, anything like that. No, no one wants a part-time job learning something they might not enjoy. So, you know, once again, that's why I try to make these videos introducing people to them, you know. But the other thing is, reading systems to learn it is maybe the hardest way to try and wrap your head around a system. Because I remember years ago when I got into, at the time, New World of Darkness, boy, my friends and I, we were just hitting our head against a wall trying to figure out, like, wait, so how does experience work for level up? Now, wait, no, we roll this, but a success, how many successes does it take to accomplish? Ah, you know, and... We had multiple sessions where we played very wrong and very poorly and everything was a mess until another friend of ours who knew the system ran us through it. And within 20 minutes of the session, we all understood what was happening. We knew the game and we were just in it playing. And it's like, oh, this makes so much sense. It's so much easier. So reading a book is a really rough way to learn these systems. But if you have someone who can show you through play, it's a lot easier. Like, uh, neither of you had really played Masks or uh, Powered by the Apocalypse or Apocalypse Engine Systems. I don't know. There's a whole debate on what Powered by the Apocalypse means that will not touch with a 10-foot <laughs> pole. But, like, you had not really played that before, but I feel like just having me just walk you through it and, you know, learn by playing. You know, we had a two and a half or whatever hour session. I feel like you both very firmly understood it well before even halfway through the session. You were able to pick that up and just run with it. 
And I found that with a lot of systems that people could say are complicated. You know, I've ran Cypher system for a lot of people who have never touched it before, didn't understand how it worked. Half an hour, an hour into the session, they're just fine, taken off with it. Had that with Cort Cortex Prom. I've had it with Fate. I've had it with other Powered by the Apocalypse games. You know, it's, it's I think, easiest to learn by playing. And since a lot of the games are, you know, kind of obscure and whatnot, I try and cover obscure games and I try and show off these games by playing them with people who have not played them so the audience can follow along and learn with them. Mm -hmm. This kind of brought up something in, in my memory. When I ended my Contact sci-fi game after six years, it was, I think, April 2020, exactly one year ago something. Talks were about, okay, what game do we play now? Because we never wanted to start a campaign in that system again. <laughs> <laughs> so many things wrong with that for us but then we because at the time i played the horde of the dragon queen module with one of my other groups i was like hey i could run dnd and because of that group having a three player overlap so three players in both groups they were like okay let's do it we like dnd we love it it's a great system and so i said to the other two players are you fine with learning dnd and then i explained dnd to them one of them being he's he's a gamer he plays a lot of video games he plays a lot of final fantasy and uh, other um video games and i was like okay dnd is a very very good game <laughs> it's, it's a video <laughs> game on paper Kind of. It, it's very simple to understand if you have a video gamer mindset, I feel. The other one played no video games at all. She was the theater kid that doesn't play any video games, that only hangs around with us because we were the only nerds in our school at that time, and she was also a nerd. So she hung around with us, and now uh, she's part of the group. She was part of the group. She was, I don't know if I like d, &D. It's it, it sounds a little bit too much. It sounds like he would have to learn too much. Oh, that became a talking point for us. I We, we talked about what system we play and we, she then said, okay, yeah, let's try d, &D. I will see if this is for me. Especially with online play at that time, she thought about quitting altogether until we can meet in person again because also part of not being a gamer, four hours on your PC for is an extended period of time. Some people just don't have. They get headaches. They, they feel like they are not doing anything while I sit here six hours a day editing, playing, and recording episodes. <laughs> and I don't have a problem at all. <laughs> at least I think so. <laughs> I don't know. We've been meaning to talk to you about that. <laughs> 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 no, but she then was hesitant about learning D&D or even so learning about any other system at all. And I was like, okay, let's try it. See if it works for you. We will make it as easy as possible for you. You have around you three experienced D&D players and one person learning with you. So you have a lot of people that can help you if you ever have questions. We Any questions will be available at all times. And it took some time for her to get into the system. Now, how on the other hand, nearly a year later, she, I wouldn't say loves, loves it, but likes it a lot. Mm -hmm. She... She has understood how spells work. She has understood how combat works. She has understood everything about her very, very cute artificer gnome player character. So now she has understood the game. Obviously, it didn't take a full year. So before people come come out of come with this as proof, D&D takes a year to learn. No, it doesn't. But she finally understood everything and, and now likes the system, at least. But... It took some time for her. And what I want to say with that is it, the only way for us to even be able to teach her was to play with her. No way she would have picked up the rule book 
the PHP, even though I would have made it available to her and read it. Never would have happened because how long is the PHP? 350 pages? It's, no one wants to read that. It's about yeah. 10,000 pages when you're trying <laughs> to read through it without I mean, knowing it. The Dark Eye core rulebook is 500 pages long. Ugh. And a lot of that is useless lore that you do not do not recognize. There's not this is lore. This is this is a mechanic and then a full on novel to that mechanic explaining <laughs> it in lore. And I'm like beautiful. It it's beautiful, but no. I totally agree with what you said, Klaus, that having someone run the system for you or seeing how the system is run is one of the best ways to learn it. Because oh, absolutely. You, you, you get to see it in actions. You get to see it in play. You, you understand the flow of things. Yeah, that's why I always encourage people. You know, it's like if you think that you're interested in a different system, especially nowadays, you know, with podcasts and actual plays and stuff being very prevalent, it's like try and find one that's touching on a system that sounds like it might interest you. You'll pick up so much more about that game watching a, like, like two hour actual play than you would from sitting and reading the whole book cover to cover because you'll get an idea of what the feel of the system is and how often they're rolling and like you know what kind of math they're having to figure out because there are plenty of folks who I've seen get turned off from D&D &D or just never fully connect with it because there can be a decent amount of math now I'm I'm fine with math that part doesn't bother me you know I, I enjoy crunchier systems too but I've had friends where I ran D&D &D for them every other week for three years and near the end of the campaign they'd still it's like it's their turn and they're like uh okay um so how many what uh, how many attacks can i do if i use this ability and it's like it's been your character for this long you know how do you not know well i mean they just don't connect with it you know there's so many little rules and math things but then i take those people and i'm like hey do you want to try this game called fate and it's like, okay, here's your little list of skills. You get between plus zero and plus four. Roll four dice and just add that. That's that's almost everything. Hooray, you know 80% of the game already. They're like, oh, but what if uh, what if I want to like do this weird thing? I'm like, we're still just going to do that same stuff. Same thing. Nothing's going to change. That connected with them instantly. And, you know, it's all, it, all, all, all of us are doing. We're just playing pretend. We're just playing pretend together and deciding on how many rules rules and what kind of rules we want, you know, helping to, you know, make that a more fun experience for everyone. And sometimes sometimes the system that you pick can in itself be a form of accessibility because if you're a DM who's like I'm going to run Pathfinder and all of your players are like I have a problem with games with lots of rules and math. It's like you probably shouldn't be <laughs> running pathfinder for these friends it's like it's gonna be hard for them you're you're presenting something to them that they're just gonna bounce right off of and so sometimes maybe it's better to try something else that's everyone's you know find a middle ground that everyone's gonna connect with too and yeah i don't know like, there's just i don't know there's so many advantages to at least learning about other systems because you will never i always like to bring up this i throughout most of my life up until i was 35 would have told you that my favorite ice cream was mint chocolate chip i love mint chocolate chip it's great there's a couple other ice creams i kind of enjoy whatever but if i'm going someplace and they got ice cream i'm gonna 
to get mint chocolate chip. And occasionally I'd have someone be like, you know, oh, hey, you want some ice cream? I've got strawberry. And I'm like, no, I don't like strawberry. I'm not interested in strawberry. I don't like it. Until on my 35th birthday, someone's like, oh, what kind of ice cream should I get? Uh, you know, I was going to bring over like cake and ice cream, you know, what kind of ice cream should I get? And they're like, oh, I've got like a really good strawberry. And I went, I don't like strawberry. And they go, you don't like strawberry ice cream, even like Haagen-Dazs? Like, which have you tried? And I went, I haven't. <laughs> but I just know I'm not going to like it. I know I'm not going to like strawberry ice cream. So why would I try? And they're like, oh, my God. No, I'm going to bring over some Haagen-Dazs. you got to try this. So I finally tried Haagen-Dazs strawberry ice cream. It is my favorite ice cream in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I will go and push an old lady over in the street if you promise me a scoop of strawberry ice cream. <laughs> but I was so convinced that I knew what it would taste like, and I just knew that I wouldn't like it, that I completely avoided it. And now I'm like, I, w I was 35 the first time I tried strawberry ice cream, my favorite ice cream. And so by not just at least experimenting a little and trying out different things, I missed out on, for years, I missed out on something that I really, really like. Now, granted, going out and just buying some strawberry ice cream is a lot easier than reading a book or dedicating time learning a system, but I still think people shouldn't be afraid to explore other systems because the only thing you're risking is time. Chances are you're going to learn something great. One thing I've said is I grabbed the book for kids on bikes. I've read the system. I think it's fun. I don't know that I'd ever personally play it or anything or run it, you know. It's like, I might, eh, maybe if someone asked, you know. But I got through the book and went, uh, I don't know that I would use this necessarily. But adversity tokens, I can weave that into anything. Basically, it's every time your character fails a uh, skill check and action or whatever. If you fail, you get an adversity token. In later roles, you can spend however many adversity tokens to boost up whatever your result was to make it a success. So like, you know, if your success on some later action was a 15 and you rolled a 12 and you've got three adversity tokens, boom, you succeeded. I absolutely use that in D&D &D now. It's so easy to just take something. It's like, hey, the one thing I like from this other system is maybe the best idea I've seen in any TTRPG to make like failure not sting as much because we've all had the sessions where we were just rolling absolute garbage and you just get frustrated all night. Everything's been a failure. You get in combat. It's like your turn. Roll. Oh, look, another mess. Cool. End of my turn. Ugh. To actually have something that you can add to that. And I never would have thought of that on my own. Maybe I would have. I'm great. But this got it to me a lot faster. And now... I can have this in a game, so when I have a player who's having a bad session, just rolling absolute dog shit, suddenly, at the end of, like, a really big battle, when a hit really matters, and they're like, I'm sitting on seven adversity tokens, they're like, like, oh yeah, I only rolled, you know, a 12, 19, I hit him, I kill him, like, that's so satisfying, and I, that's not something I would have necessarily added to my D&D &D games had I not branched out and looked at these other systems so always worth at least some research you know and i mean nowadays there's so so much other media you can check out to actually get an idea if a system's going to be worth your time 
to research between like reviews, actual plays, cool videos from some guy on YouTube who I hear is just great called the Dungeon Noobs Guide. Yeah, just check out that stuff. And, you know, if something sounds like you think it would be pretty cool, almost guaranteed there's going to be something within that system that you can take away from it that's going to improve your overall gaming experience. That was so great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was just, it was also true. There's nothing really to add to that. Well, I feel we can add our own experiences to that. For how much I shit talk this system, Contact, for being the second TTRPG I ever played, showed me one thing. And that is my players' love for grand, epic, action-induced, and generally boom-peng combat. (laughs) Basically what I mean with that is, it showed me that my players... Love it when they hit big, when their enemies hit big. Everything around them is complete mayhem, chaos, and explosions. And that they love to try to survive this mayhem, to to play in that mayhem. It allowed them to let their own creativity, let their own chaos out and just go off doing freaky, funny stuff. One player once slapped a lot of bombs or grenades and C4 onto a little robot and sent it into the combat. And then it blew up like five enemies behind cover. And that is something he couldn't have done in D&D. Obviously in D&D there would be different situations and all that stuff. But what happened was that the system with this initiative where you had a certain number of initiative points and that determined when you would go. And let's say the first one had an initiative had initiative points of 70 and another one had a 50. That means he has 20 initiative, initiative points to spend before the next person actually goes. What that meant was that he had a lot of actions to take. Shooting a gun was five initiative points or something along those lines. But what that meant was he was able to, well, do this more elaborate plan without the other players, the enemies, interrupting him in doing so because in dnd if you would pull out the robot that would have been maybe an action or something prepping everything uh slapping it all together would have been another maybe bonus action or whatever and then sending it off to walk would have been an action yeah. that gives yeah. enough time to your mates to your enemies to the environment to fuck over your plan entirely and that system allowed him to do that very cool plan he had without anyone interfering okay given the problem with the this initiative system was also that the combat robot could shoot several times before the medic was even able to move so it wasn't perfect in my opinion because you had so many points to spend until someone else was at the top of the initiative then they would be able to spend their points and then until someone else was at the top of the initiative so it was always who's at the top of the initiative how many points do you have and then spend your actions as soon as your points drop below someone else's that's their turn that is it's cool it allows for when you have a lot of points to spend until the next person goes you have a lot of cool stuff to do otherwise it's just shooting a gun because when you have this big disparity between someone that has a very high initiative and very low initiative in the same combat it can feel that the one with a low initiative can't do anything because the one with the high initiative can already finish the fight completely if if they shoot if, if they shoot a rocket launcher or something that can end the fight instantly but yeah it allowed him to get that cool plan off and i realized that i, I haven't found a way to implement it very well in dnd but being able to accrue your actions over time to execute one thing 
in one round that would take several rounds would actually be a very cool thing. But it would have to have a drawback, obviously, to, to store up your po your actions in D&D. I don't think it would work well in D&D at all. But in that system, that was one of the big benefits that I found. My players like that. My players like it to have a big payoff. And I'm not talking about just um, winning the fight. I'm talking about this crazy, chaotic action combat sequence where they get to do so much freaky stuff that under normal conventions, and that's where the fun of that system lies. Yeah, my experience with, with branching out was towards Shadowrun, another very, very crunchy <laughs> system oh, and yeah. very confusing sci-fi system. Yep. I'm still not really sure on how everything works. I no think I is. get about 30%, but what my group's always enjoyed was the planning phases of the Shadowrun adventures where you gather information and then make plans according to your information that you got and can really emphasize on that because you get your information and can perfectly plan things that happen at the exact point in time that you need them to happen. It's just all these complicated and intricate plans. We played the system in a time where we all liked those. So it just felt great. And I try to implement those kind of things into other systems. But timing those things might get difficult in some other not so crunchy systems sometimes. But yeah, mm. I'm still trying to find a group where we all are down to just get to know all of the rules from fucking Shadowrun because it's a lot. You have three different worlds, kind of, but not really. They all interact with each other, but not really. So yeah, it takes a lot of time to get to know this. Out of my group, Nils, I was the only one that enjoyed Shadowrun. Not because of its rules, but because of how much fun I still had at the table with them. I would be down, <laughs> just saying. Yeah, sure, definitely. Let's do it. I was going to add, Shadowrun is my favorite favorite system that I hate. That is how I've described Shadowrun for years. I love the setting. I love the idea of so much of it, but oh God, trying to learn the rules though. I made the mistake of trying to learn fourth edition with some friends and it was a miserable experience. Everyone says that you should stick with the third edition. Apparently that's the best one. According to random people on the internet, I've said, I want to learn the sixth edition that's out now. And apparently that's even more hated than fourth or fifth so who oh oh boy i didn't even know that sixth edition exists <laughs> yeah, yeah i believe it's called shadowrun sixth world or so something like that but it's the sixth edition and apparently people are not a fan it, it is called shadowrun sixth world i have the core rule book uh, right here next to me it, it's oh. about 350 pages long as well so mm. yeah it, it is crunchy it is <laughs> a lot and i started playing shadowrun fifth edition when we started that, that was also mm. it it was a yeah, everything I've heard, I've talked to a good number of people and they all say, look, if you want to play Shadowrun, you need to play the third edition. Fourth just made things confusing and worse. Fifth was just a mess. And now sixth is like trying to fix the mess and somehow making a bigger mess. So <laughs> I'm almost fascinated by that to the point where it's like, man, I kind of want to make sixth edition my edition now. Like that's the one I want to get really into just because <laughs> so many people are against it. <laughs> <laughs> just out of spite.
bite. My whole TTRPG journey started with branching out, basically. Because I had no one to teach me anything, so my whole friend group didn't know shit about any sort of TTRPGs. But we all wanted to get into it, so we just sat together and started to learn it by ourselves. Learning by doing, basically. And then we started with the most accessible for us, which was D&D 5th edition, to get into the topic of TTRPGs, but then switch to a other very small German TTRPG setting, and then always learned it ourselves, with no one explaining it to us. Which is basically the whole journey of branching out. You learn it while you are doing it. And it's a lot easier and more fun to learn it with a group of friends. Like, if all of your friends are also down, and you can all try and learn it together, and like bounce off of each other, makes the process so much easier. It is so helpful like that helped me a lot when i was learning cortex prime was i had two uh, good friends who were also learning it on my recommendation and there were things bouncing back and forth we were able to figure out together that i hadn't in two read-throughs of the book so that's definitely when people ask like oh how can i learn a system better it's like man if you can get all of your friends to learn it at the same time you will all come to the table with different pieces of the puzzle that you can hopefully put together. <laughs> uh, it's It really makes things a lot more tolerable. And also, you all get to, like, commiserate with stuff that you don't understand, and you're like, you know, what, what the heck is a mod, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even if you don't put the whole puzzle together in one go, you still have fun while trying to piece everything together, which you then can later piece into the whole puzzle again. But just mm -hmm. making the journey, the fun, uh, one of the fun parts, parts of the whole experiences just makes it more accessible more gullible for you to start learning in basically everything brings it right back to where we basically all started it's all about fun i never start a game with the intent of okay what can i learn from this to get better i obviously approach every situation that i can learn something from it but i never actively search for it when i'm looking at a new ttrpg or want to play a new game because i'm there to have fun that's always my main objective i will always learn something for example with Niels, we played the witcher ttrpg as a mini campaign and the idea was okay hey i have three friends who share my undying love of the witcher world so let's play the ttrpg that exists to it we played it i learned it i read the book from cover to cover and was like okay cool now let's play and we played and learned and five sessions in out of the 10 we played i realized that every character <laughs> was allowed to make two attacks instead of one per round. <laughs> because I just overread that single fact somewhere and was like, okay, hmm, that froze, about, froze out everything I did so far. <laughs> Let's read it again. And I had fun in those five sessions. I had a lot of fun with my players. And I hope Niels can confirm that. Oh, yeah. That we was all the did. case. And we had a lot of fun. But after I then understood the rules, I also learned a lot from it. <laughs> for how I want to run my games. For example, we had an episode about this, but the Game Master section in that book is one of the best ones I've ever read because it starts with you kind of this window people look through into the world. It's not just it's your world. It's the world you show to your players. They experience that world through you. So get the fuck off of this <laughs> bullshit god complex trip and just have fun. And there were also rules... The world of Witcher being very brutal and full of sex and <laughs> a lot of different ugly stuff. And the book made a big point on focus on the fun of the group. You don't have to have someone have their arm cut off or, I don't know, go have sex or whatever, but just have fun. <laughs> 
And I know that that's basically in every TTRPG book. There is always this clause of have fun and rule zero, rule of cool and all of that. But this book made it very clear that while this all is implied by this book, this all is implied by this world you're playing in, don't give a fuck about that. Play how you want and not just, yeah, you can ignore everything. And that taught me that I can throw out everything that my players and I don't enjoy. Oh, yeah. You got to make the game what you want of it, you know, and you've, you've got to like what you do. And sometimes games like, you know, forget certain rules, leave certain rules out and everything. Do it. You know, whatever you and your group decide is fun, you can do. And, you know, sometimes that means taking the game you're playing and changing it. Sometimes that means maybe finding a different game because there are some games, too, that you're going to want to play that maybe the system you're using isn't going to be great for. I've seen the debate come up over and over again about whether or not D&D is a good system for horror. And depending on how you play it and what kind of horror you want, maybe it's great for it. Other times, maybe it's not. You know, it's like maybe there's a different system that does horror in the way that you want that's going to be better Then you know, go for that, you know. But but maybe you can play D&D and it's just like, well, we're just going to ignore this part and this part and add on one extra thing here. We already know and love the system and now it's going to be hard and that's going to be great, too. So, yeah, you know, I mean, there's always levels of just doing whatever you need to to make sure that you're all having a good time and having the most fun. And, you know, yeah, there's a lot of ways to accomplish that. So uh, does anyone have any other points they desperately want to throw out their talk about? Hit anything? Is there anything that we left out today that still needs to be said? I guess. So, I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I'm known for constantly encouraging people to branch out from D&D. &D. And a lot of people stick with it because they like fantasy and, you know, whatever. Like, they don't want to veer away from that genre necessarily. And a lot of other TTRPGs do veer away from that heavily. So if I can give those folks any recommendations to branch out into other systems they might enjoy. The couple I always like to recommend are, hey, if you really like D&D, &D, but you wish that the rules were simple and much more narratively focused and free, check out Dungeon World. It's a Powered by the Apocalypse game. It's very heavily inspired by D&D, so you still get that cool fantasy. You still get leveling up and specific abilities, but it's just way easier on the math and way more free for the players and DMs to develop their own story. If you like D&D, &D, but you like the survival and you like the, you know, player death, ooh, your players love a hardcore game that's risking their lives and, oh, but 5e has all these spells that make killing your character so hard and we want that kind of really you know hardcore experience check out five torches deep very much inspired by like the original version of dungeons and dragons but using some fifth edition rules it's just it's simplified down in a lot of ways it's made much more least lethal with a lot less magic and it's like a 45 page book maybe 50 pages it's a quick read and it's a ton of fun if you want that kind of like high lethality old school game you know check it out if you just want something that's way easier to gm and 
you want a little more freedom with, you know, less math and some less rolls, uh, the Cypher system and its fantasy edition Godforsaken, a lot of great fantasy rules, a lot of stuff that'll be familiar to D&D, an interesting new take on strategy with how, like, health and your stat pools are kind of interconnected and your characters are a little more unique. Great system to jump into um, and really easy to be a game master for. Boy, if you want a game that you can improvise creatures and all this stuff on the fly, the Cypher system is amazing for that. And so those would be just three where I would tell folks, if D&D is the only thing you know and you do really like that high fantasy, check out one of those, Um, you know, depending on, you know, what I listed there, because they're still going to give you that D&D feel, but with a whole different kind of flavor. Well, one thing you brought up in me right now was that for, for people looking to branch out from whichever standpoint they are whichever game they started with it's never been easier to find new systems with the complete explosion of the indie market basically for ttrpgs in the last seven ten to seven years or whatever and with the internet with reddit twitter youtube where some people uh, explain to you different systems that you can try or podcasts like this one, there are so many options for you to, to look for different things. And one thing you just got to do is look, really. It's all about just having the will to find something interesting, having the, 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 uh, the intention of, okay, I want to try something different now. What can I find? And even just a quick, even if I open up Google now and just type in 10 alternatives to D&D, I'm gonna get a list of 10 games that you could play. All of them different in a different way. They're gonna, there's gonna be Pathfinder on there, I can tell you that much. And the, the description will be something along the lines of it's a little bit crunchier for those that of you that want more customization. And that's fine. And it's so easy to find these systems. And then there are so many systems out there that are free to play that are pay what you want even. So it doesn't even cost you money. It only costs you time to find out different things about different systems. Even if it's just for increasing your own ability as a dungeon master if you ever want to be better as a dungeon master or game master is the best way i found is this branching out talking to people that have different experiences playing different games making new experiences even if i re resort back to dnd every single time now or the dark eye or wherever i still got better just for playing or trying the system okay does anyone else have something to add now <laughs> If not, Klaus, please, where can people find you? Shout everything out, shout people out, shout your cat out or your dogs. Everything you want to shout out and highlight, now's their time. Specifically my dogs, Gaz and Poe, uh, Great Dane and a Pitbull. I love them very, very much. Shout outs to them. I, I think they're <laughs> listeners of the podcast. Um, they've certainly overheard it when I've listened. Um, otherwise, yeah, no, uh, you can find me on Twitter, Klaus Von H. I'm not super active on there. I've stepped away a little bit for my own sanity. I'm not good at social media, but I'm still there. I still talk and reply. Otherwise, if you look on YouTube for the Dungeon Noobs Guide, it's N-E-W-S for noob. I don't like the other spelling of noob. Looks like boob. Won't, won't happen. Won't be a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm there on YouTube. Uh, like I said, I'm on Twitch, Klaus Von H. 
streaming all sorts of random stuff. I want to do more TTRPG stuff on there soon, but mostly just uh, YouTube. I'm putting out stuff all the time. I've got a Sentinels RPG, how to play coming up soon. I've got uh, a actual play and learn uh, series coming up for Thirsty Sword Lesbians, which is a Powered by the Apocalypse game. Maybe one of my favorite TTRPGs of all time. Yeah, doing all sorts of stuff there. So keep an eye. Okay. And with that, one last thing, Nils, please send us off for today. As usual, the last bit, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DoubleDMPod, or you could visit our website at www.doubledm.com. If you would like to, you can donate to us on Ko-Fi as well. And yeah, we would love to hear you on the next one. Have a good day and bye-bye. Thank you, Klaus, for being here. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye.